Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast, the original Alien and Predator podcast. I'm usual co-host Ridgetop with site co-administrator Aaron Percival, a.k.a. Corporal Hicks. And this is episode 151 of our podcast. And for today's episode, we have a special interview with the man who played the Predator in the most recent film, Prey. We had a conversation with Dane Delegro, which was great, and we're excited for you all to listen to it. And this is actually the first of a number of interviews with Prey that we have coming up. So we hope you enjoy. So, Dane, first things first, thanks for joining us today. You know, we're, we're here to talk about prey. We're here to talk about the feral predator. But before we dive into spine ripping and wrestling with bears, you know, can you tell us a little bit about Dane Delegro outside of the predator? Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I'm Dane Delegro. I'm from Lexington, Massachusetts, USA, because I know you have a large uh, international fan base. I played high school basketball, which went into Division I collegiate NCAA basketball for four years. And then I went on to play eight years of professional basketball. I played seven years in Italy. I played a year in Israel. I was with the Celtics for a summer, Boston Celtics. And in the summer of 2019, I was essentially scouted to become an actor and I pursued it. And I booked my first TV show two weeks later, a Netflix show called Sweet Home and moved to Los Angeles just to try this thing out, which was right before the pandemic. And the pandemic came upon us and I could not go back to basketball. And I decided to continue the acting route. Here I am talking to you guys. <laughs> Long story short, I cook a lot. I was an apprentice butcher when I lived in Italy. I love culinary travel. Still train like a pro athlete. I um, am a nerd. I love Legend of Zelda. I'm back to the future from the looks of it. And back to the future. <laughs> Behind me at my TV here, I have a GameCube, a Nintendo 64, a Super Nintendo, and an Xbox One X. I even have... A deep cut Super Mario Paint on Super Nintendo. I have the Nintendo mouse pad and actual mouse. So that just, I hope, ties into my nerd a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I got some retro stuff. Yes, yes. Splashing that Predator cash on uh, on the retro gaming. I love of it. Of course, of course. So that's me. Nice. What's your favorite film then? It's tough. From a nostalgic standpoint, it's Heavyweights, which is the Disney, the Disney film. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, it's been camp. a long time. Is that too big of an ask? There's so many routes we can go here. Jurassic Park, Jaws. Good choice, yeah. E.T., anything Spielberg. I actually like Back to the Future 2. It's my favorite. Back, Back to the Future series is in my top three. But Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2 is my favorite. Just because the future and what they did with it, I, I, I think it's awesome. I actually got this poster while I was playing in Italy. They did a one-time screening of Back to the Future 2 in Italian. And I went to see it and I thought it was amazing. I said, get the poster. And they gave me this Italian Back to the Future 2 poster, which I love. And something we have to ask all our guests, especially the ones who actually get to contribute towards our favorite franchises, is about the first time they actually encountered the monsters. Do you remember the first time you ever laid eyes on our favorite extraterrestrial hunter? Of course, my father, who's a big athlete, we have a, an exercise room, a guest room in our house. And in the basement, that's where he kept his bike, his workout bike. And every morning, I'd go down at seven o'clock in the morning to see him working out. And, you know, it's early 90s. My dad's a big macho man. He'd always watch these action films, you know, dad movies. And I remember going in the first time I saw The Predator, I was five. You know, Get out of here. He's not allowed to see this. 
I left a peek my head around the corner I'm through the crack of the door and I'm looking <laughs> at this alien hunter. Oh my God, what is that? That thing is disgusting. And he said, get out of here. And he slammed the door <laughs> shut, you know? So that was the first time I ever saw, I mean, more than just the Predator, it was all monster movies and sci-fi movies as well. All through your dad. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. In the, in the basement in the mornings. I think that's something I uh, I share as well. My, my dad introduced me to a lot of the 80s monsters movies that have become an obsession. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now for the hard-hitting question, though. Which of the previous Predators, including the AVPs, has been your favorite creature design or performance? It's a pretty obvious answer. I mean, and it's the easiest one, but what Kevin did with the first one, it paved the way, not just in terms of movement, in terms of performance, but, you know, movie structure. Two-thirds of that movie is a bunch of dudes going through the jungle to a snare drum. It's so 80s. It's so just, like, awesome. And, you know, the late Kevin Peter Hall, what he did with that character was incredible. And Dan Winston's design and the way it all came together, you know, obviously technology has advanced since then. But, yeah, just that, the first one for me. I do like Wolf, the Wolf Predator. I think his design's really cool. I think Ian did a great job. I think, you know, in terms of design, that would probably be next in line for me. Obviously, we're not counting Prey. <laughs> it's tough. It's like, that's my child. So it's like, not <laughs> fair. There's a serious nepotism there. But I, I, I do like Wolf. I think Wolf is pretty interesting. And I think Ian did a good job. Definitely. And to be fair, I'm going to put it out there now. So it's out there. That mask behind you, hidden behind that head of yours right now, is easily one of my top three favorite masks. Yeah, that's an awesome mask. I think there are... F- four of these that exist five there's the inside there is a lot there is tech in here you know that comes down to here my good friend john miller made this there's even tech here that is so awesome and here yeah and here because you never really see that in the movie the inside no we had a couple versions of these for the scene where i put it on it was magnetic there was one that was always attached to my stunt head and there was nothing in here this is it's got some good weight to it the one that was magnetic was definitely very heavy. And then there were some that just had nothing in here with, you know, it'd have the LED for the laser. We actually, I'm sure you've seen it, but they had these things rigged so that the bone mask was going to glow and there was going to be red coming through kind of the cracks of the bones. And super cool. You just, you know, Dan opted not to use it for whatever reason. But yeah, it was pretty cool when I saw that point for the first time. I bet. Is that, is that a beauty piece then that was done as like a, a gift or was, is that one of the things you used on the film? This technically was not screen used. Disney, Disney acquired everything that was screen used and kind of it's in the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse, essentially, Disney assets. But this is one of, I think, three that were made after the movie as gifts. So uh, and it wasn't a gift. I, I kind of commissioned them with the shield and there's a copy stick behind me as well. I don't know how many combi sticks there are in existence. Not a lot. It's a very cumbersome thing to have in a West Hollywood <laughs> apartment. But yeah, this is this is resin and it's quite heavy. This is would be one of the hero ones that we used on set. I would never swing this near someone's face or neck, but for a hero shot, this is what we would use. It's very hard, it's very sharp. I mean, I could absolutely do some damage with this thing. It's very heavy to ones to the mace end here. That's a really cool 
predator weapon and i just noticed like the bronze accents on there too it's kind of like wolf's weaponry he also kind of had those bronze accents but it plays off like your typical combi stick but the whole blade on one end and mace on the other is something we really haven't seen before yeah yeah and uh you know obviously when it comes back in it's not extended you know these blades go in and this is obviously a lot shorter Uh, and as you see at the end of the movie when amber's character essentially tries to we refer to it as defanging the snake she wants him to break his own weapons so to make it an even fight essentially which i think ties into what type of predator this is but that's a whole other story and i have the the wolf skull skull behind me the wolf skull that that was that was screen used. That was the one that Dakota's character stabbed me with in the leg. That's the one that hung off my sarong for the entire picture for the entire shoot of the movie. So I I did take that. That's also sitting on top of a lot of dreads that I took home. It doesn't look like it, but it's a it's a huge bunch of predator dreads that I took one by one every day. I take one, and then my my chair back says Dandy Legro the Predator, and the other side of it. This is the cool. original title, huh? Skulls. Or I guess the um, working title is what you would call it. Working title. Working title. It was never, the movie was never going to be called Skulls or Skull. We shot this movie. We didn't, we, no one knew what it was going to be called. Yeah, because I know they were trying to keep it secret for a while. And they, they wanted to go into the marketing with that. But then it eventually came out that it was a Predator film. And we absolutely love to hear about the casting experience that actors and performers go through when it comes to these films. So how did you come to be cast in Prey? I was called by Alec Gillis to come in to do a design pitch at ADI for a project they're working on in Canada. And I said, great. And Alec said, I'll buy you lunch. (laughs) And I said, keep the lunch, pitch me in for the project. So I get there and the Predator suit from the last movie was sitting out on the table. And I'm like, oh my God, this is Predator. This is crazy. So I put the suit on. Dan, Marty Ewing, our producer, and Jeff Cutter, our DP, came into the shop, and Alec told me he wanted me to bring a balletics feltness for this character. And what the hell is that? <laughs> so I'm thinking more of like a panther, some type of feline, something very in tune with this movements. So I, I'm running around ADI in the suit. They had a big 3D printed iteration of what they thought this predator was going to look like. I don't know if you saw some of the concept art that they released. It was very close to that. The mouth on this thing was like so big. The mandibles were like out here and then down here. It actually was those. It was that that concept art. And I put it on. There's no vision. They drilled two holes through and I couldn't see anything. But I jumped on top of the table and I'm doing all these different things. And, you know, like they they don't have anyone cast for this. And I told them I would, I would kill, I would kill to be uh, your predator. I would die to be your predator. Okay, yeah, we'll let you know. We'll see. It ended up that yeah, I was brought in to play the predator, and I ended up doing all the acting stunts and mocap. There was another guy they had for used for some insert shots, and he was a backup predator in case I got injured. Essentially, so yeah, I mean, I essentially did all of it. Uh, I did the actor and the stunt doubles job. I didn't really have a stunt double. And then we spent a day in a gray suit in a free running academy. And I did all the predator movements, jumping from trees and holding up the bear and all of that stuff. So that was all mocap suits. That was mocap. They like had a huge pad and I had to lift it up, pretend it's really heavy like this, and then throw it down. And all of the motions you see of him jumping from tree to tree and doing it, they captured my movement and uh, used for this character. I thought that was CG. That's impressive. It was CG, but they had inertia monitors on me. So my movements are the same movements that this predator had. 
But you worked with Alec before then for him to know you to give you the call? Uh, no. I had met him a few years prior. I visited his shop and he had called me for a few jobs that didn't end up working out. But, uh, you know, we kept in touch and I have worked with a lot of his friends and there were some recommendations that were made to him. You know, I think he was just looking for a six foot nine guy who had suit experience for this design pitch. So he called me, which was, yeah, sure. I'll call it, Absolutely. Yeah, can't argue with that, can you? Yeah. So over the last nearly 20 odd years, you know, there's been several different performers taking on the mantle of a Predator, you know, all with varying preparation styles and, and characters as to what, you know, the Predator's supposed to be on the screen. So, you know, how how did you prepare for your role as Feral, especially considering he's supposed to be so different from all the others? It was interesting. Dan kind of granted me the key. He gave me the, the keys to this castle creatively. He obviously had some parameters that he had set, but he told me, don't do what Kevin Peter Hall did. Every predator is an iteration, essentially, of what Kevin did, and we really want to get away from that. And he, he set parameters for me with words like animalistic, primal, feral, dynamic, lean. And so I'm thinking about all these different things of how this predator moves. He doesn't want that standoff 1987 WWF wrestler, you know, this big giant brute. He wants a dynamic tree jumping. He is quite feline. He looks like an insect, but he's quite feline in his movements. So for me, it starts with, I see the design of this character. He's got that huge back. He's so hunched over so that it's kind of like beast-like for me. And just kind of building off of that, you start with one thing and then from one thing you go to another. You don't go into a project with, it's, he's going to move this, he's going to do this, he's going to do it. it kind of evolves over time with each shot and each, each and every uh, scene that you're shooting. Now, you mentioned you had worn a test suit at ADI, but tell us about the first time you actually donned that finished feral suit. What was that experience like? Oh, finished. I was, we did a lot of test fittings in Chatsworth leading up to this film. There's actually some cool test footage that I think Alec has of me in an unpainted all black foam latex suit that like, really, he's just trying to break the suit, test this thing out, me in the parking lot swinging a, a stick. And we actually had did some iterations of me running on all fours in this suit. We were going to do a chase scene of me running on all fours, which would have been quite interesting. First time donning everything was we did a show and tell up in Calgary in the middle of the woods just before shooting the big log fight. And yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting experience because uh, I had to lose 25 pounds for this role to fit into this lean and dynamic suit. So it was a tight squeeze for me because I'm usually a big, a big giant muscular guy and I had to lose a lot of my waist for this. But you, you put this suit on with no head. Before you put the head, you look down and you see his 12-pack. And you look at your hands and you see foam latex. So my forearm is huge. My arms are huge. My hands, I have these claws. I look down at my feet. His calves were enormous. This guy's leg muscles were unbelievable. And I'm, oh my God. This is real. I am the predator. The, the, oh my God, I'm this killing machine. And you just, it's crazy. It's, it's very difficult to describe the energy that goes through you. And you look down and you're this thing. And then, you know, the head comes on and it all goes pretty dark. And your, your neck is in this position. And then you're just trying to guess where he's looking. And the, it's, uh, it's, uh, that was a whole other experience. 
And did that cool factor for you of like, ah, oh, I'm the predator. Did that help you get through all like the difficulties of being in the suit, like the heat? And if there was any claustrophobia or anything? Uh, no claustrophobia. I'm a guy in terms of difficulties. I do a lot of heat training. I try not to let the heat affect me as a pro athlete with my background. I always learned never to show your opponent that you're tired or weak or scared or whatever. So even on set, that translates to me. So if I'm super hot, I typically don't like fans in my face. I, I feel like it makes me look weak if people are coming over and rushing and putting fans down the back of my neck or rushing to feed me water. I have to live in this discomfort. I have to own it. I have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. But there were definitely times, especially in the burnt glade, when it was 97 Fahrenheit outside or whatever, 40 degrees for you, Aaron. And you know, I'd have to think about like, think about how many people would kill to be this character. I was given a tremendous opportunity to be here. And I can't let anyone down. I refuse to let anyone down with this character. So just thug it out. Pain is temporary. Film is forever. I can rest in two months. I can take a break in two months. I can get a massage in two months. I, that did help me push through for this character during the hard moment. Even surviving a uh, small fire on your shoulder from the sound. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a thing. That was definitely a thing. I was really actually delighted in a, in a very strange sense that day because that was like my creature actor bar mitzvah. That was like, <laughs> it's just happened to the greats. It's happened to Brian Steele. It's happened to Doug Jones. It's happened to all the guys. Everyone's head catches on fire at some point. And I'm like, oh, Get that out of the I've way. arrived. There's still a couple of nicks there, but yeah, that was a crazy experience. I thought we're, I thought bees were stinging me on the back of my neck and I started shrugging. And then I hear, is he on fire? And I'm like, am I on fire? <laughs> and then, oh. oh man. And then, you know, this, this skull cap is screwed to my head. So they have to unzip and unsnap everything and then get in, get under and take a screwdriver. And I hear, oh, 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 and my back, my neck is still, oh, and I said, what the hell just happened? Well, your head was on fire. Oh, okay. All right. And then, you know, Marty, our producer comes over and he's like, and I was like, it's okay. I'm, I'm good. Let's keep going. Let's get the shot. But it, it, that fire was my fault. It wasn't anything that had to do with the suit. I kept pushing the wire into my neck. And yeah, it's a funny story. And I still have the wire actually somewhere that, that caused the fire. Yeah, that's a brilliant takeaway. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. was it the battery for? Animatronics. Because there are, there's 30 servos here all around my head. And oh, where that wire is, it's somewhere over there. Yeah, there are 30 servos. So, you know, every two hours or so, every hour or so, Dave would come and have to swap out the battery pack because that's what drives every motor for the eyebrows, for the eyes, for the all the mandibles. And we had four puppeteers for this thing. A lot of stuff going on up here. And I had to kind of work with them. We had to have a Bluetooth connectivity between... I would have to cue them for certain things or uh, we'd have to be working together essentially with uh, emoting this character. Unlike the suits built for all the previous Predator films, your head was placed in the neck rather than behind the Predator's head, much like how the aliens were built. How did that affect the way you performed? It 100% affected the way I performed. I, um, I was looking through two holes in the neck. As an actor, they don't build the design around me. I have to conform to the design of this character. So it's up to me to do whatever it is necessary to make this character look the way it's supposed to look while still being able to perform. I developed a way to kind of shrug my shoulders and look at the ground to kind of shorten that neck a little bit. 
I developed over time a way of figuring out kind of the eye line and where exactly he was looking. But I shot a lot of my scenes essentially blind. I mean, I could see the ground. I could see about two or three feet in front of me, but we were, were in the woods. So we would take sticks and lay them on the ground in front of me. And I had my first AD, Rich Cowan, in my ear, guiding me along where I needed to go, when, you know, cueing me when I needed to do something. But, you know, all those fight scenes, all those acting scenes, I couldn't see anything in front of me. I mean, how how did you even pull that off? Because I, I think that that film must have been the most choreographed predator fight sequences out of any of them. I mean, maybe next to AVP in the Celtic fight, because that seemed very, very choreographed. You know, that must have been fucking yeah. difficult. We did a lot of takes for me and Dakota's fight. There was a lot of rehearsal. Me and, and Amber's character, that was the fight that scared me the most because Amber's the number one. If I hit her, it's my fault. If she doesn't move out of the way, it's my fault. And she very much so was involved in our fight scenes. She did as much as production would let her, maybe even beyond that a little bit. But the scene where I'm coming down with the shield, that was her. That was not her stunt double. If I, you know, if she didn't roll out of the way, I was going to hit Amber Mid Thunder full speed with, you know, the shield. And it was scary. There were times where I, you know, hey, if you don't move, I'm going to hit you. You know, like like we said, he's dynamic. He's quick. So in Dakota's fight, I'm swinging this half combi stick over his head. I'm missing his head by inches. That was terrifying. We actually had a scene leading up to the mud pit, a tree chase scene that I actually saw on previs during pre-production of Amber running through trees and branches. And, and I'm behind her really cool shot of the, the camera kind of following with her. And you see me behind her. They wanted to shoot this practically, me running through trees and branches with the head on. And I'm so glad that they ended up, you know, they scrapped it. We, we would have figured it out. But, you know, I trained for a few months leading up to this movie at free running academies, running on balance beams. I would sprint on these four inch balance beams preparing to run on branches. You know, the day they told me we're, we're cutting the tree chase scene, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I would have been wired and everything, yeah. but it would have been a tremendous, tremendous challenge. And it's funny, a lot of people say, oh, you couldn't see? That's great. That tells me I did my job because you can't tell that, I, that I'm looking at the ground for all of that. Or, or people say, there was a guy in there? Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> you, you couldn't even tell if you don't recognize me, I'm doing my job, essentially. So when I hear things like that, I'm delighted because that means I did my job. Did it ultimately sort of come down to a lot of like muscle memory in terms of practicing of the performance and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, there were certain movements that I would do over time where I just kind of became natural to me. The head whip after I get shot in the shoulder, mm. I throw the trap snaps on the guy's face he goes down i get shot in the shoulder and then i would turn but i would i would add a little you know dreads to that certain things with turning my head because it's, it's heavy you have 15 pounds being whipped around it's very easy to fall over and lose your balance and there were a couple times i did i did fall over so some good bloopers knocking around then <laughs> oh i'm sure I, I i'm sure they'll never see the light of day but there are definitely some funny things that would yeah we actually shot an extended version of when i kill ania out at the big log fight and i stab him in the chest and i see amber and i pull the thing out and you'll see she starts to run and then i kind of go fully cloaked we shot an extended version of that where i start to run after her and sprinting through the woods right behind her I may or may not have ran into a couple branches uh, during that scene. They did a good job maintaining these predator heads, but I walked into my fair share of branches and trees and <laughs> things like that. 
Oh, watch your head, Dane. What? What? And I look. No, put your head down. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> was there much footage of you that was shot that didn't get used? No, I mean, I'm only in the movie for like 12 minutes. If you take out a timer, a lot of things were used. Most of the things were used. We shot a scene where. Am I allowed to say this? I don't know. Whatever. We shot a scene after Amber leaves her campfire where she eats the rabbits, and I'm kind of tracking her. I show up at that campfire and I'm kind of poking around with my combi stick and I take my backpack off and I start loading my weapons and preparing, you know, the netball, putting that on. I'm checking the cut clamps, I'm putting those on, and then I'm I'm dropping the bolts into the bolt gun. We saw that in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. One of the more recent spots had that shot. That's where that, you know, and then that eventually was I think that scene was replaced with me versus the wolf. And that was to establish just me working my way up the food Mm. chain, essentially, uh, and establishing why I'm here and how I'm processing Earth and how, you know, I'm looking for the the bigger, badder thing. The ant to the rat, the rattlesnake to the wolf to the bear. And you just see, you know, that's why Dan was saying that this is this predator's first time on Earth. How would a predator process Earth for the first time? Well, he's just going to look for the bigger, badder thing. So he's working his way up through what's next? Then you have the trappers, then you have, you know, Amber's character and just kind of dealing with all of that. Pretty much everything was used. I'm trying to think, I don't think there was much that was cut. I mean, everything that I shot for the most part ended up into the film, except for a few scenes here and there, but that's standard movie making. Were you in the mocap suit for the the wolf scene? Yes. Yes, I was. Those were shot actually here in Los Angeles. We had during a round of reshoots. They brought three wolves, actual like wolf hybrid dogs, in one that was really good at running, one that was good at growling standoff. And no, oh, that was me. That was, uh, I was fully in the gray suit. I have some photos of me holding up the, the spine with the <laughs> head and everything. I will eventually post those at some point. We kind of developed this thing of the predator. You know, he was so cloaked during that scene, it's kind of hard to see, but okay, I'm clocking this rabbit and now I see this wolf and then there's a standoff and I'm processing the wolf for the first time. So what what would I do to make it an even fight? Oh, well, I'm going to get down on all fours because this wolf is down on all that fours. That is what I was going to bring up because that is one of my favorite bits of you in the film is this getting yeah. low to the ground, this sort of animalistic yeah. profile as you get in there. And it's also like one of the beckoning things, you know, like when you get down to your dog. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people ask me, why did you go to the ground? And I, you know, like I said, he's so cloaked, so it's tough to define where his arms are and where his legs are. But I did this cool thing where I was really imitating this wolf. And then you see he starts to growl. And I'm like, oh, okay, shing. And then, you know, the blades come out and then it's game on. But I thought it was interesting, kind of like he goes down. What is this thing? How does it operate? Okay, I'm just going to try to be like this thing, even fight. And then, you know, we go. So... I thought it was a cool touch putting on uh, kind of like a mimicking, you know, because Predators mimic, you know, with with the voice box and everything. But also I thought that it was interesting going down on all fours, mimicking this wolf as well. And you've also posted some images lately of fighting the guy in the big bear suit. How how was that fight? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he was more of a reference. I don't know how much that suit was actually used in the movie. I think it was, you know, his arm when they were clawing through. Uh, He was more for reference, but uh, that was just one of the special effects guys. His name was Kyle, and uh, he was 6'8". I initially was supposed to play the bear as well, and they were like, no, we're going to have Kyle do it. Okay, fine. Yeah, we shot a day uh, at a soundstage. Just we had a beaver dam there, and they they were blasting current through this thing. 
And they, there was a scene that we really shot with Amber's character inside the dam. And, you know, they're shooting through this dam. And you see me in the gray suit and Kyle in this bear suit. And we're tussling. We're, like, scratching at each other and punching and, and like, you know, dosy doing And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much that actually made it in. But uh, that, that really, we really shot that. That bear was huge. But if it wasn't one of those two scenes, did you have a favorite scene out of all of them that you shot? Oh, Burnt Glade, for sure. I mean, I can even boil it down to a single shot that was my favorite. It was when Naru and Tabe are trying to figure out how to break the ropes, and it cuts to me walking, and I slash across this one guy. I knock this one guy into a tree. I see Raphael trying to escape behind me, and I do that little spin frisbee toss with the cut clamp to cut his leg off, continue on, choke the guy, put him up in the tree. This guy comes, disarm him, kill him, and then cut that guy's head off. That was one of the most difficult scenes to shoot just because of that one long take of all of those things. You know, one of our stuntmen, Tommy, the one who I hit into the tree, I mean, that gauntlet I had on was, I think it was fiberglass. It was very hard. And we had to really, really, really be cognizant of where exactly I was swinging, because I couldn't see him when I'm swinging. So if I'm five inches up, I'm hitting him directly in the face with this gauntlet and I'm breaking his nose. So I had to be very cognizant of exactly where my arm was during this whole process. There were some sticks laid on the ground for me during that sequence so I could follow along. But yeah, that was a extremely rehearsed scene. Turned out pretty cool. I still watch that scene sometimes. I'm like, God, I can't believe I did that. That's great. The hatchet flick is one of my favorite bits as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the first things when I when I got through all there. Like, some guy attacks you, you kill him, and then you kill him. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's, that was like one of the first things they ever told me about when I first got involved with this project. During filming, was there any like behind the scenes documentary material being done or were things kind of moving away with physical media kind of taking less of prominence to digital now? Was there any sort of like interviews on set or things if they didn't know it was going to go to streaming that were going to be on a physical release? We had the, I don't know if it was 20th or Disney, had uh, EPK, which is, excuse me, electronic press kit. There was a behind the scenes crew there filming things, stills photographer. There were a series of interviews being conducted on set. I did not take part in any of the interviews during principal photography that we were shooting, but I specifically remember a crew being there filming a bunch of things while we were shooting. I don't know if that'll ever see the light of day. Again, they could take the files of that and just put it in the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse, but who knows what the future holds. I'm sure Dan may or may not have access to some of that. I'd love to see it someday. So would we. So would we. <laughs> yeah, yeah. DVD, Blu-ray, you know, who knows? It's why I like doing these things, because it's our own oral history, our own oral documentaries of, of these films that we might not always get the chance to hear. So, yeah, it's why, it's why I enjoy talking to folk like yourself so much. I had to come on. When I first got this role, I became a super fan. I spent a lot of time on your website. Nice. A lot of time on deep diving I had to become a super fan. I had to understand what about, you know, Predators and, and, and a little bit of the history there. Obviously, with the films focus on what's established in the films. In terms of the comics and other lore, it's tough because what is brought into the films isn't necessarily, you know, what's in the comics. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of fans are very passionate about all of Predator lore and canon. But the things that I knew I had to stay true to and respect were what were in the films previously or what had been established through cinematography. 
you know, in terms of, you know, the word Yaucha is a comic term. It's not used in any of the films. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Aaron doesn't like that one. When I give an interview about this film, I can't use that word yeah. essentially because it's not film canon. And I was instructed to stay true to the film canon, essentially. Okay, so you just made me think, because I didn't think to put this on any of the questions at all, but with you mm. saying about being on the website, how aware of the Sasquatch thing were you? Because I'm sure you made a joke about it. 100% aware. <laughs> I knew. Uh, you know, I had seen some things come up on the internet, you know, about the Sasquatch and blah, blah, blah. And then when we wrapped principal photography, Jeff Cutter posted a picture and tagged us. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm just going to comment on his picture. It's a pleasure being your Sasquatch. <laughs> and yeah, that that caught fire. I, I like to have fun with it. You know, it's just, it would have been cool to have a Sasquatch in this film. I don't even really know how the Sasquatch thing came about. I saw, I, I just saw some stuff about it. Oh, you know what? There was a photo of me. I was at Pat McGee's shop, another creature shop. Mm -hmm. and he, he makes these one-of-one -one maquettes of the Predator. And we had made a Sasquatch suit together. And there was a Predator in the background of one of my photos. And I think that's kind of where it kind of spun out of control. <laughs> so yeah, the Sasquatch thing was a, a fun inside joke. Uh, with us but, it's uh, funny because uh, the most recent anthology predator book has a uh, a sasquatch versus predator oh really in it, yeah oh that's great okay i i didn't i didn't even know that that's uh that's incredible i should have teased it harder <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean to be fair the book's only just come out so that that was kind of kept a secret for a long for a long time but that's brilliant i i got a, a right kick out of seeing you play into the sasquatch thing you gotta you gotta have fun with it sometimes, you know. That must have been kind of amusing though to see like the fan speculation on something that you're making in, in the midst of. Yeah, you know, and for me, I take joy in that because it's fueled off of pure passion. People love this franchise, and you know, and I know there's some disdain for certain elements of certain movies or this or that or whatever, but it's all driven by passion because people just love the Predator, people love the franchise, and I'm I'm right there with them. I love it all, and it's strange like to be a fan of this franchise and now oh my god i'm the feral predator it's up to me to drive this character there's a lot of eyes on me there's a lot of responsibility accountability i was just a fan and now i'm thrown into the fire and i'm grateful and honored and excited that i was able to put my own little spin on one of these characters and just be part of this massive massive franchise especially you know so the uk so impressive with how passionate about predator you know the two places i that I was down in Mexico shooting a show back in July, and I went to the Teotihuacan pyramids. And I remember walking around, and there's predator idols everywhere for sale. And I'm looking, and I'm like, this is AVP. These are the pyramids <laughs> yeah. in AVP where they were fighting. And I'm like, holy shit, the Mexican people love predators. Unbelievable. So the UK and Mexico, the passion for predator, I've never, is unparalleled. It's really impressive to me not, not nothing against americans or anywhere else in the world but oh wow it's uh, really impressive for me be another cool prey idea like apocalypto you know like aztecs and predators like that might be a nice setting yeah yeah i actually have an interview with uh starburst magazine later today are they still around oh yeah they're still okay. around i don't even know if i'm allowed to say that <laughs> Thank you.
What was it like working with Tom and Alec and, and Mikey? Oh, that was great. It was unbelievable. I mean, those guys should write a book. Alec has seen it all, the story he has, working for Stan Winston, and hearing, I mean, you're on set with him for hours, for three months straight. And Alec is a very special person to me. And Tom guiding me through this role and helping me out with all the suit stuff, you know, his experience as Pumpkinhead, his experience of all the xenomorphs that he's played. The Pred Alien, I guess that doesn't count as a xenomorph. Is it more Predator? Is it more Alien? We don't know. But Tom helping, really guiding me along the way with movements and how to handle the suit and all of that was amazing. And then Mike Fields, Mike Fields was my godsend. He was my right-hand man. He was with me after every take, spraying me down handling the suit. Something was wrong with the suit. He repaired it. He painted it. When I started to get a little, not chubbier, but I, I wasn't always down 25 pounds for the entire suit. He loosened it up for me a little <laughs> bit. But yeah, all of those guys working together, it was a pleasure. John Miller was there, Jeff Redknapp, Dave Penicus, all the boys. We'd have these giant ADI dinners. And I loved, I loved hanging out with those guys. Just hearing all the stories and, and learning things from them was uh, incredible for me. And you were at the San Diego premiere of the film. Tell us about that experience. Was that your first time seeing the film fully put together? I had seen the film back in March. Uh, Dan brought Dakota and I in to the Fox studio lot to watch an iteration of the film. It was quite different from the final product. Comic-Con was crazy. I'd never been to a Comic-Con before. So that whole experience in itself with the press and everything and then we screened the movie and it ended and the standing ovation and just listening to the score and then the end credits and, oh my God, there's my name. This is crazy. And I remember standing ovation, we stood up, I look over at Amber and I started crying. It was like a pinch me moment. This is real. We, we worked so hard on this a year ago and now people are standing up and clapping for it. It was, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it, but that was a very surreal experience for me. And naturally, we've got to ask if you'd be interested in returning to play a different Predator if Disney were to produce more. If so, what kind of Predator would you want to be? How would he be different than Feral? And might you even be fighting aliens? Yes, I would be honored to be get that phone call and come back. I would love to. How would he be different? I don't know. Maybe... I don't know, maybe more hulking, but also still dynamic. I mean, I feel like Feral Predator was very lean, very quick, very dynamic. You know, he was muscular, he was bidding strong, but he wasn't hulking. Boom, boom, boom. He was quicker in that sense. So maybe, maybe a bigger, stronger Predator who's taller, I don't know, but also still dynamic and maybe more on the ground. I don't know. I mean, Pharaoh's just so badass. He just was so cool. You know, how do you outdo that? I don't know. I... I don't know. And then in what time period? What's the geographic location? Are we on Earth? I don't know for the next one. Are we going to be on Earth? Who knows? Is there going to be a next one? I also don't know that either. So, uh, and I, hand to God, I have no idea what the future is, what is planned. If there is something, something being planned, I am not privy to that information. I hope they make another one. I don't know what the plot would be. I don't know what the timeline would be on that. Did you say you wanted to do Samurai? Could you do that with the suit? Oh, 100%. A feudal Japan would be awesome. That would be really cool. I'm from Lexington, Massachusetts, so that's the Revolutionary War. I'm sorry, Aaron. You know, the first <laughs> time we stood up to the British. Muskets would be an interesting, you know, kind of like the Patriot with Mel Gibson. Put a predator in there. I see like dark, you know, misty fields and you see this predator coming out, getting hit with other muskets. Gladiators, Roman times would be interesting. Mm. 
that's like a, a, maybe more of a barbarian predator. Huge, giant muscles and swords and stuff. Has a predator ever used a sword? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, but the uh, predator. No, no predators. He, he was. It was just one. I think he's more an extended law. No well, predator too. You had the elder sword, but yeah, but he wasn't using it. More of a like, can you imagine like a like a full on like Roman blade, like hand to hand combat? Ching, ching, that would be. Oof, yeah. Oof. In the most recent video game, there's a predator katana, which is pretty cool as well. Oh wow! Yeah, who knows? The options are endless, really. I guess that actually kind of speaks to one of the next questions because that's actually everything from us. But we did have just a small handful of questions from our community members. And Superior Iron Man would like to know if given the option, is there a weapon or gadget that you wish Feral would have used? Is it that big sword? <laughs> no, the big sword the big sword would have been cool. I think in the burnt glade scene when he, you know, uses the laser discs, that's cool. I would have loved to see him maybe get a little frustrated at some point and then you know just a plasma cannon pops out <laughs> and he just blasts everyone away and then walks away to continue what he has to do but that obviously goes against his code and obviously you know with the design of this character they wanted to de-evolutionize his weaponry i would have loved to see the netball used a little more i mean when it got used it got used it was very used but yeah i mean a sword obviously more hand-to-hand combat but I don't know. I wouldn't really. Not much. I would change with this with this film. And the same same guy, Superior Iron Man, is also curious about how the hell the bolt gun and the med pack stayed on the back of that suit. Were they sculpted onto the suit, or were they very removable? easy? It's a very easy answer. Advanced alien technology. <laughs> My reason is magnets. No, it's just technology that we we can't comprehend yet. That's like saying, how, what drives that, the ship that he flew here with? Advanced alien technology, we don't know. In, in terms of the real world, though, were they, were they sculpted onto the suit or were they zip-tied? Uh, they were practically in the real world. They were just they were on there. They were attached the whole time. We had a couple of different backpacks. We had a couple of different bolt guns. We had a soft bolt gun. Manaru jumped on my back. It was just a foam right. uh, bolt gun that she could... Yeah, stunt gun that she could crush. When I was on my back, when they threw the cargo net over me, it was a squishy backpack I had on. There are some scenes where you can't see the gun, so we just didn't even have the gun on at all. But yeah, those were, I don't know, maybe they're surgically implanted. <laughs> and Caleb, another one of our four members asks, we've heard from other suit performers before that they've often taken inspiration from animal movements to help inform their creature performances. Was there anything in particular that you studied prior to playing Feral that informed your movements or that helped give you an idea of how you wanted to portray him? One of the main animals I looked at was a panther. Like I, I wanted to make it look like this predator knew where every root, where every branch, where every tree was. He's run through the woods a million times, instinctually knows where everything is. Believe it or not, I actually watched videos of Mr. Bean leading up to this because Mr. Bean is a great nonverbal actor and he's great at conveying emotion and telling a story without using words. He doesn't speak much. If he does speak, he mumbles, whatever, nothings. And I watched a little bit of Mr. Bean going into this just to see how, what is he doing? How is he conveying a story without using words? So it's a little fun fact. I don't think I've ever said that to anybody in any interview. Well, thanks for telling us. Yeah, Mr. Bean is, is I used to watch him back in the day a lot. Sizzy Bubbles wants to know if there were any valuable takeaways to playing as the Predator, any skills that you learned to carry on to your next role. 100%. I trained for parkour for two months uh, leading up to this role. I now have the basics of parkour. My trainer in LA, uh, we did a lot of bow staff. We did a lot of Kali, martial arts training, nunchucks. 
sword work. I had no idea how to do a flower with a sword before this film. And now I can. I didn't even know what a flourish was. And then you can see in the film, I, I do a flourish, pull the half combi sticks out of the ground right before I kill Ania. And I do that little with both combi sticks. So yeah, the martial arts and parkour training, also just mentally, just being Zen inside that suit during the hot moments. I have a couple of videos of me squeezing my arm after a long day and just all the sweat coming out. Oh, man. Pretty, pretty insane. That sounds pretty grim. It was. It was very... If they release any of the production stills from the film, you, you'll probably be able to see like me and Tabe's fight, like sweat just shooting out of my arm. Anytime I swung my arm, you'll see like a trail of sweat. Every, every time I'd swing, I'd spray him with sweat from the suit. Poor Dakota. Yeah, he loved it. He was just, he just wanted to be as badass as possible. And uh, he certainly was in this film. Now that, that's it. That's actually all of our questions. I think we managed to get this down to the hour pretty nicely. Before we do sign off and let you get back to fighting bears or, you know, other interviews, is there anything you'd like to say, any anecdote or, or thought that we just haven't given you, you the opportunity to express? To AVP Galaxy. And anybody listening, any carte blanche, anything you want to say right now that we just haven't given you the opportunity? Well, first of all, a giant thank you. I've received countless messages from a lot of people saying that they appreciated my predator, you know, just behind Kevin Peter Halls and to be considered even in the same level or just below as Kevin is an honor. I was a little nervous with this movie coming out that a lot of people would not really appreciate the redesign, not appreciate what we were trying to do with this feral predator and the reception has been amazing. People have for the most part, welcomed what I did, what Alec did, what Dan decided ultimately with this predator uh, with open arms. And I'm, I'm shocked. I, I, I can't believe you know how well this film is doing and the reception it's gotten. But selfishly, from the predator standpoint of mostly a large number of people being receptive to our different take, everything's going to get compared to the jungle hunter. Everything's going to get compared to Kevin and what he did. And it's a tall order. It's a tall order to stand up to that. And I'm just glad that for the most part, everyone was receptive to it. And, uh, you know, obviously the end result, you have this beast, this feral beast. It's uh, dynamic and super badass. That's I just, I wanted him to be as badass as possible. Yeah. Thank you. I guess it's a major thank you. And thank you to everyone on the website and the forum who are who are so passionate, whether you approve of things or not, thank you for your passion. Because without everyone who supports and loves this franchise, it's nothing. Whether it's uh, good or good or bad, through thick and thin. You know, there have been some interesting movies that have come out over this franchise. That's one way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, and there have some been some really exciting ones. And fans have stuck with us through all of it. I obviously wasn't involved with those other films, but you were still here. So there's the balls rolling and it, and it seems like we've breathed new life into this franchise. And I'm very excited about that. Definitely. I think everything you guys did on that film is really, I don't, I don't want to shit on the other stuff, but you know, I, I genuinely thought the, this might've been it, you know, but then Prey comes out and everything you did, everything Amber did, everything Dan did, you know, just reinvigorating and, and proving yeah. that the predator is still a cinematic, you know, tour de force. So easy to look at the description of this film before it comes out and so, oh, it's an R-rated Pocahontas. It's woke. It's a Disney princess that, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's so easy to say all of those things. And I'm just glad the reception. I'm so glad that everyone likes it. Yeah, us too. Us too. Yeah, we both loved it. 
Yeah. I was just trying to make all the pred heads happy. That was my, I was like, I want to go on AVP and people are happy with it. That's kind of my uh, AVP galaxy and get a reception. So I'm content. You you achieved that. Definitely. Gem, you yeah. know, the, the majority are very, very fucking happy with this film. So thank you. And I see, trust me, I, I see the comments. I check, I, ch- I look into that stuff sometimes. So I see what people say. I'm just, I'm happy that it all turned out the way it did. Is there any way you'd like to signpost people to, to find out more about yourself? I mean, my Instagram is DD. Um, that's the thing I'm most active on. I just signed with a personal appearance agent. So I will be going to Charlotte next week uh, to Mad Monster Party. I think I'm going to Germany at some point, or maybe even Ireland or Scotland. Come to England on my side. Yes, yes, yes. I will be going out. And I think I, I, think I might be going to London at some point. Nice. So, yeah, I'm going to start touring around. Dakota's coming with me to some of these things. So it'll be fun. So I can meet some of you guys. Hopefully I'll get the chance as well. I know you've already met Adam. Yeah, we met a couple times at the uh, premiere and then the after party. Oh, yeah. That was a great party. It was was a good party. party. Well, thank you, Dame. We'll let you get off and appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, I'll, I'll talk to you guys soon. And that was Dane DeLegro, the feral predator from Prey. Hope everybody enjoyed that one. Uh, we we had a lot of fun recording that as well. And we generally tend to, don't we? I don't think have we ever really had a bad... I don't know if we've had a bad interview. I mean, we've had a few that were more difficult than others. But yeah, no, this this was great. And it was awesome to spend a little bit more time talking to Dane about his experiences on set. And like I mentioned at the top of the episode, you know, this is the first of several that we've got planned. I'm currently in the midst of, I say the midst, I've started editing an interview with none other than Dan Trachtenberg, you know, the director of Prey. And we've got some other stuff coming up. We've got some other people to approach as well. And we've also got to try and fit all the other stuff around that as well at the minute. So it's a busy time, but it's a fun time. And the time after release is always really interesting and fun for us because it's when we go out and we do these things and we ask them all the nerdy details that we're all talking about on the message boards or the Facebook groups. So speaking of those places, you can find the hub of our activity on avpgalaxy.net. If you're more of a social bird or social media bird, you can find us on Twitter at avpgalaxy or Facebook as Alien versus Predator Galaxy. We also have a Facebook group on there, which has exploded. Thanks to Prey. I, th- I think we're like, what, third biggest group at the minute now on Facebook, which is nice for Alien. Third and or second. Something like that. If that's where you like to do your discussions, come and join us. If you prefer organized categories and threads, we also have a message boards on the main website. Yeah, we still do it old school on our website. Yeah, I, I don't think I could live with just Facebook groups. The ability for discussions to get lost just infuriates me. So I'm very much still a uh, message board kind of guy. So come and join us. If you're listening to this, we're also on YouTube where we've got visuals of the podcast and we have visuals of the written articles that we do on the website. We recently, as of recording for this, released a law video on the times a predator is taken on a bear. So head to the website, check out the written version, head to YouTube, check out the video version. Either way, it's there for you. All right. If you'd like to follow me personally, I'm on Twitter at underscore Corporal Hicks. And if you'd like to follow me personally, it's at RidgeTop21 on both Twitter and Instagram. And thank you for listening or watching. This has been Corporal Hicks. And Ridge Top. Getting to the chopper.